Hello and welcome to Homeopathy at Home with Melissa. If you're ready to be independent in helping your family with acute and chronic conditions in a more natural way, if you're interested in learning how to use homeopathy at home, and if you enjoy positive, encouraging messages, then this is the podcast for you. Click subscribe, grab some coffee or tea, a pen and a notebook, and get ready to learn how to use homeopathy at home in your family. The information in this podcast and its transcription is to be used for education only. The suggestions here should not replace the advice of your medical doctor, and you should never stop any prescription medications without the advice and direction of your doctor. I am not a physician, I am not prescribing, and I am not making healthcare decisions for you. It is your choice to use the information provided here and in any future communications with me regarding homeopathy and natural health care. Welcome to Homeopathy at Home with Melissa. I am so excited today to be with Dahlia, who is the president of Chickenlandia. <laughs> the, self, the self-appointed president, yes. Actually, I say my chickens appointed me as president. <laughs> right? You, got, you guys yes. know that I love chickens. You know I love homeopathy. But you've seen some of my past videos. You've seen that I've I've treated you know my chickens with homeopathy and... Um, And so I am so excited to talk to you today and hear all about your journey. So Dahlia, first of all, you guys has been, she's owned chickens for 12 years and she's been using homeopathy for 48 years. 20. I'm I'm 48 years old. (laughs) 28. (laughs) I wish it was 48. I'd probably be in better condition. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 28 years. Still great long time. Love it. Yeah. That is that longer? Yeah, that's just a little bit longer than than I've been using. That's beautiful. So, because you were raised, no, you were 28. So, um, or you were 20 when you started using it. Yes, I was 20. How did you get introduced to homeopathy at 20? Well, I I uh, you know, I'm just going to get I'm just going to be really honest here and just say that, you know, when I was 20 years old, I I had a lot of problems, you know, I was not being healthy. I was not taking care of my body. In fact, I was doing some really self-destructive things, you know, that 20 year olds do that. They don't, don't understand who they are. Um, and it really reached a critical point where it was like, um, you know, I felt like I received some information (laughs) that, you know, if I don't get my life together. And if I don't get my health under control, that I'm literally not going to live much longer. And it was, it was very clear, um, that that was, that that was the case. And so I, w- I really began a journey of healing at that point. And I didn't, you know, my family, I mean, the, my parents are Guatemalan immigrants, you know, we had a a good diet growing up. Um, but we also had, you know, we had the American influence where we ate some junk food and all that stuff. Um, and just didn't know a lot about, about natural health. 
But through what I believe is divine intervention, I was introduced very quickly um, to a lot of these natural health concepts. And one of them happened to be homeopathy. And I, I think like the first time I used it, I had had bronchitis and I had it for a long time and I just I felt terrible. It finally went away. And then I got it again, like a month later. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what is going on? So I went, I had just started visiting the health food store and I, I'm from Texas. So it was one of the first, if not the first whole foods in the country. And back then it was like, it was whole foods. It was like locally owned and everything. Um, and this was in Dallas and I, I went to whole foods and I got just some homeopathic combo formula for bronchitis. And I remember, and it was in a, it was a, t- a tincture it was in, a, in an, it was a liquid uh-huh. form. And I remember I just like opened my mouth and like, <laughs> I had no idea how to use home, you know, homeopathics sprayed a whole bunch of it down my throat, went to sleep and I woke up and my bronchitis was gone. Wow. So whatever, what, you know, now I practice as much as possible, classical homeopathy, but there, you know, whatever remedy that was in there was like the magic bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ever since then I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this really worked. And I didn't know what homeopathy was, you know, as far as I knew it was like herbals, you know, that was where it was. And, you know, that was like the, the department I had it in, in my mind. Mm -hmm. But later on, I, I started traveling. um, And I ended up in Tucson, Arizona. And there I started working for, I'm fairly certain it was the first, uh, like health food store for animals. Now they're there's a lot of them, you know, and in fact, that's, I think that's probably like the prevailing, well, maybe not. I'm just, I'm kind of in a bubble. I'm kind of in a health food bubble, <laughs> but um, a, there's a lot of um, supply stores for animals that supply just healthy stuff, whole food stuff, uh, you know, what is, would be considered health food for animals. But back then there was nothing like that. Yeah. So they had, it was two women that owned the store and they had, um, all the Boyron homeopathics. And I was like, wow, you know, what are these? And that's when I really started to understand the concept of homeopathy, how to dose it, um, that it could be used on animals, Mm -hmm. um, and also how to use it more, you know, with more clarity on myself. And, you know, back then I was using it for like hangovers, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but as I matured, now I use it. I certainly have used it on my animals, like my, my many pets over the years, um, definitely use it on my chickens and ducks, definitely use it on my kids Mm -hmm. and my husband and myself. And I also, I really try to share that information, um, wherever I can, because I, I really, uh, believe in it. And I, and, you know, it's beyond belief. It's not just like some 
dogmatic thing that I believe in. I have seen it firsthand really work. And so it's important with me to share that. And that kind of, you know, when I became a backyard chicken educator, I at one point decided to bring that into how I teach about chickens, which was not a, a simple decision because, um, you know, obviously the poultry industry isn't great. Right. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the information, almost all of the science that comes to us as backyard chicken educators, it comes through the lens of factory farms, right. you know, where, stu- you know, scientific studies are done um, in conditions that aren't even conducive to life. Mm. And then we are meant to translate those, you know, those findings to our backyards where chickens have sunshine, they have, you know, dirt to scratch in, they have enough room and they're not totally stressed out all the time. So it's like, Mm. you know, I feel like a lot of the advice we're given is really advice that is meant to just keep chickens alive in a horrible situation. Goodness. So, but, um, you know, I find myself in this position where it's like a lot of people are like, well, I want you, you know, to show me the science behind this. And it's hard for me to explain to them, look, you know, uh, the way homeopathy works it's not as easy to conduct, you know, what we, what we consider these scientific experiments on homeopathy because of the nature of homeopathy. Right. And so I think for a lot of people at that point, they will just kind of say, well, it's pseudoscience. And so I do get accused of that a lot. Um, And in fact, that's how I found your podcast. Uh, Because I felt I was, I don't know if you want me to tell me, tell this. I feel like I'm just talking. I'm just going Go for it. Okay. Well, um, recently I, you know, it's surprisingly, uh, the backyard chicken, um, educator world is kind of like, uh, there's a lot of competition in it. It's really unfortunate. Um, but, uh, it's very competitive and it's a tad like cutthroat. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know. (laughs) I feel like there's just no escape. Like within any, you know, within any, um, gosh, what do you even call it? Like, I think I know backyard and any, any idea there's like factions that fight each other within that idea. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you find it in homesteading or in homeschooling and all, all these different groups. Mm-hmm. There's factions within those groups that that argue with each other. And it, it just is, to me, really unfortunate because, yeah. yeah, like we we do share a common goal. And I think a big one is to just see less chickens in factory farms, but also to see healthier people on a healthier planet. You know, and if we could just keep that as the focus, we wouldn't have these petty arguments about things. It's like, it's okay if we don't agree on everything, you know, but that, that is how it is. And, and because of that, sometimes I find myself feeling, um, kind of alone in this, in this space. 
And I got some feedback recently by another educator who I respect very much and is very knowledgeable. But the feedback I got was about homeopathy and flower essences. Mm. And because I do talk about flower essences a lot. And um, she was like, you know, I feel like it's dangerous that you are recommending these herbs to to your to chickens, you know? And I was like, and she just really, you know, went down the line of just like, you know, this herb is not good for chickens. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'm not telling you to give your chicken arsenic. When I (laughs) when I say arsenicum album, I'm not not, that's not what I'm saying. And I was so uh, I felt really defeated after that because I was like, uh, like she doesn't understand homeopathy, homeopathics. Okay. And, uh, and so I, I just, I went, I remember I was, I was walking. Cause I try to get a walk in every day and I was searching podcasts. I was like, I just need to hear someone talking about homeopathy. You know, <laughs> I just need to know that I'm not alone in this. And I found your podcast in the first one that I listened to, you were talking about giving your baby chick. I can't remember which remedy it was. Carbovage. Which one, which one Car- was it? Carbovage. Carbovage. Yes. And which I've used many times. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, she has chickens. And then you, and then you said in that podcast, like, if you'd like to be interviewed, please contact me. And I'm like, yes, I want to talk to someone else who understands what, what I'm trying to say. Um, so thank you for, you know, (laughs) for, uh, for, for having me come on because I, I, I love geeking out about homeopathy. And like I said, it does feel like a very lonely space, especially in like the animal world and, and in the backyard chicken world is just not um, something that's really discussed a lot or that has a, a, frankly, a lot of respect within that world. That is pretty amazing that the first podcast you found of mine was where I was talking about my chickens. That, I mean, really like what, that wasn't just number one. Like yeah. it, wasn't first, it wasn't the first podcast you know, how you landed on that one is amazing to me and, um, and a divine setup. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, that's awesome. And I was so thrilled when you reached out to, you know, to, to see about being on, um, because I love animals. I love homeopathy. I'm a pretty new chicken owner. Um, you know, I think, was it 2021? Yeah. Spring of 2021 was a lot of people. 2021, you know, 2020, (laughs) 2021. It it wasn't a great year. You know, those weren't great years for humanity, but they were great years for, for backyard chickens. Yeah. (laughs) I got a, I was just reaching out to all my chicken friends and asking tons of questions and, um, you know, trying to get everything perfect. And what I've learned in the short time that I've been doing this is they don't need perfection. They need a safe place. Yes. And, you know, and just the fact that, uh, you know, that first one, that first little baby chick that I got to give homeopathy to, it was very sleepy 
it wasn't doing any, wasn't eating, drinking anything. She, and I didn't mean to say it. And, um, you know, I reached out to a couple of my chicken friends and they were like, yeah, that's kind of common. And she's probably not going to make it. And I was like, watch this. I am not letting this baby die. I couldn't yeah. tell you. you know, that was my first time ever having chicks and they were so cute and tiny and little. And I was like, I can't, I can't take it. So, I mean, and since then we've had some die. So I'm, I'm got, kind of gotten used to it, but predators. So, um, yeah. so, <clears throat> um, you know, Carboveg brought her back to life and I saw it, you know, and it was just a few doses and the administration was so easy. You know, if, if she were eating, she would have pecked it right off of my hand or the, you know, the ground or whatever, but she wouldn't even do that. So I put some in a, in a little bowl of a little ramekin of purified water and I stood her in it. And I was also very careful that I didn't want her to get cold or stay wet. So I had the room warm, you know, and after I stood her, so she just soaked it up through her feet. That gave her interesting. That gave her enough energy to then that the next dose, she ate it with her her beak. Wow. That is really interesting. I, I think I had not considered that as the way to administer it because unfortunately um, it's very easy to, to like literally drown a chicken. You know, if you're giving them, if you're giving them um, something via dropper or syringe um, I'm just really careful about, you know, using a certain technique to administer anything liquid to chickens when they're not eating and drinking on their own because it's so easy to aspirate them. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that is really interesting. The, the, the feet thing, because it does make sense because, you know, the, the, the feet are just ready to kind of soak, soak in things. And we can do that with people too. So if somebody is in a situation where they can't take anything by mouth, you can put it on their wrists, their neck, their feet, anywhere, you know, on the body with other animals, you can get a cotton ball or whatever, and, you know, put it on their, the belly where there's not much fur. So there's yeah, lots of different ways you can administer remedies. And, um, you know, and after that, we had a chicken get injured and she was eating. So all I had to do was just... uh, Oh, we, you know, put the remedies on the floor in front of her and she would eat them all up. Oh, she did. (laughs) That's good. I haven't seen them do that yet. (laughs) After that, there were times where I felt like, I I don't remember what it was, but I felt like they needed the cell salts, you know, the big chalky ones. I would Mm -hmm. just throw them in the coop and they would eat them. You know, they would go after. Wow. (laughs) Oh, well, this is all good information because I, I didn't think that they would just eat them, but I mean, they are sweet. Mm-hmm. And there's something, um, you know, they're bright and they're little, you know, things they can pick up. Yes. They can be intelligent when they want to be intelligent. Sometimes when you really need them to be, it's like, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because the predators, I was like, if you people yeah. would stay in your fence, you would be safe. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one. It's like, okay, you know, I've got this all set up for you. Why do you have a death wish? Yeah. Um, Dahlia, I would love to hear maybe some of the things that you um, teach in your book and and about your book. What's the name of your book? When are we going to be able to buy it and read it? And then what do you, how do you guide people? Is there a, um, a chapter on homeopathy? How do you guide people with that? 
Well, uh, it, I, I confess that the, you know, the, the section of my book that's about homeopathy, it is very simplified because, and I do explain in the book, you know, I, I think part of the problem when people feel like, well, homeopathy doesn't work, it's really because they don't understand that it, it, it is not a simple modality. It's not just like taking an Advil and having your headache go away or, or seems like it goes away. Um, it, it, it's more complicated than, than that. And I, and what can happen is if you, if you have the wrong remedy um, and you take it and it doesn't work, and then you feel like, well, homeopathy doesn't work. So I was, I was pretty careful to explain that, but the remedies that I give or that I discuss in the book are really broad reaching remedies like aconite, um, uh, arnica, uh, I think I talk about arsenicum, arsenicum album, um, carbo veg is a great one. Uh, and one other that I can't remember, I think galsenium is another one and another one that I can't remember, but, um, just very, uh, very simple instructions. Um, and I also say, you know, it's possible that this isn't the right remedy for what you have going on. And if that's the case, you need to speak to a homeopath to get the right remedy or, or a licensed veterinarian, you know, I'm kind of, I am obligated to say that. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, sometimes it really is the right, the right, the right way to go. I'm not against um, Western medicine. I'm, I think that there is a definitely a place for it, but I don't like, uh, preemptive medications given to flocks. Um, not only is it bad really for the health of your flock in the long term, but it's also not great for the soil. Mm. Um, and that's something that, that really concerns me because we're putting, you know, when we have backyard chickens, if we're putting chemicals into the soil in order to, you know, because we feel like that keeps our our chickens healthy, um, we're really creating a situation that is not conducive to health. You know, it might appear that it is in the, in the immediate future, but in the long term, it's really not good. Um, so I'm sorry. There's a lot of fear around when I was doing all my research and, and getting my my first little flock together. There's a lot of fear around um, around chicks, baby chicks, and their health. And you know, you have to give them this medicated feed to fight off these diseases. And thankfully, I have this understanding and this experience with homeopathy long before this to. So that fear, I don't know where it comes from. And, you know, are they, you, you obviously, you definitely know more about this than I do, but are they, is the fear because we're, we're taking our experience or our, um, our observations from these chicken plants where yeah, yeah, there's a lot of illness. Well, this is a really good example of something that has come to us through the lens of factory farms, because uh, the fear is for a disease that is not great. It's not, a, it's a, it's a parasitic, uh, intestinal disease called coccidiosis mm-hmm. and, uh, coccidia really thrive in certain conditions. And those conditions happen to be present in factory farms. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, where chickens don't have enough room, baby chicks, they barely have enough room. They are walking around in their own feces. They are constantly stressed out. They don't have anything that is remotely similar to a natural experience. Mm. Um, and not to mention just like fresh air. So these, these, um, these environments, they might be sterile, but you don't want a sterile environment that is not conducive to health. It will keep, it will keep a chick alive long enough to either produce meat or eggs Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, for the most part, but anything beyond that, any kind of resilience, it is not, that's not what is going to happen. So what was happening is coccidiosis that is, you know, it's, it's very contagious. So it would get into these factory farms and, and really affect the bottom line. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting a text. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and I might get more, but um, so, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not all the chickens would die, but what would happen is um, they wouldn't lay as many eggs, you know, think things that really affect how much money these poultry farms are bringing in. So what they did is they put a, um, a, um, a medication called amprolium into the feed as baby chicks. And then that it's the same, that medication is used to treat coccidia and it also can be given at a dose to prevent coccidiosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so to treat coccidiosis and to prevent coccidiosis. So they would put a preventative dose in the feed, but it's really hard to measure that dose. Yeah. You know, yeah. some chicks are going to be eating more, some chicks are going to be eating less. So there's that. Mm-hmm. And even though this medication is fairly, you know, compared to a lot of other medications, it's it's been around a long time. It's not like really destructive. Um, you can still, well, they say, you know, you can still eat the eggs if a chicken is on amprolium, but it's a thiamine mimicker because coccidia needs thiamine in order to reproduce, okay, in order to survive. Mm-hmm. But chickens also need thiamine. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is creating a vitamin deficiency in your flock. And there may be times like if you have a situation where you're just losing chickens left and right to coccidiosis, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe you can't get a hold of the, you know, you can't, your chickens are in a small space. You're really struggling with their environment to try and uh, make it optimal for them. Like, I understand all of that. And you might decide, okay, I'm going to give them improleum and get rid of this. Mm-hmm. Um but if that's the case, you have to support them afterwards. They need to get those that thiamine back up, or they can end up with neurological problems. Um, you know, I mean, thiamine is like the stress. I think it's called like the stress vitamin. Like you need, you need it. Chickens need it. Yeah. So it's that it's that kind of thing where we're only thinking about, you know, us as backyard chicken keepers we not we might not be just thinking about whether or not our chickens are going to lay eggs tomorrow or provide meat tomorrow but that's what the factory farms are thinking okay so what i wish is that there was more balance within our community where you know all we can get all the information and make 
and make an educated choice from all of the information, you mm-hmm. know, instead of just being told, well, this is what the science says, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't question that. <laughs> and, you know, one, yeah. one thing I say in my book is like, chicken, and by the way, I didn't even say this. Uh, my book is called Let's All Keep Chickens. <laughs> with an exclamation point, let's all keep chickens. <laughs> and um, it will be available for pre-order very soon. As soon as that happens, I will provide a link for you. And um, my YouTube channel is called Welcome to Chickenlandia. Um, and I'm also on social media. So um, as we get closer to the release of the book, I'm going to be putting out that information. Awesome. Um. But, oh gosh, where was I before I, you oh, said, you know, saying in the book, yeah, human beings have, have had chickens for millennia. They've been domesticated for a really long time and we really have it. You know, we have it across cultures. It's, it's within us. It's like part of almost all of our heritage. And I love that about it because it's a unifying thing, you know, and in the world right now where it really, it really feels like we're very more divided than we've ever been, you know, whether or not that's true or not is very hazy because we kind of see the world through social media now. So it's hard to know how divided we actually are, but it certainly feels that way. And my goal is to bring people together through this thing that we've been doing for a really long time. And because of that, it's kind of in us, like this knowledge is kind of in us. So I don't want us to think about this or anything else in terms of, well, what are the experts telling me? What are these people, you know, these, these people higher up than me with this knowledge that I can't reach, you know, what are they telling me to think about this? I want all of us to have the tools that we need to make our own decisions about something that human beings have been doing for so long. Like it's just, it's part of our nature. And I just, that, that's really like um, part of the goal of the book is to, to get people to think about things critically and to think about things in terms of, you know, what feels, what feels right. Mm-hmm. Um. And to also uh, use chicken keeping to kind of pull people back together. Because I really feel like the way out of the condition that we're in right now is kind of in the ground beneath us. Like when we connect back with nature and really back to who we are, we we start to feel better about who about who we are. And then we start to look at the world in, with a more compassionate lens. I'm getting real deep here. <laughs> I mean, really, because when we place our health and and everything else in the hands of somebody else, we're yeah, it's not natural. It's not normal. The course that we have been on is not normal. It's not it's not normal to give every piece of our of who we are and what we do to somebody else to manage. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, I even say like, if you, I, I say I have a saying like chicken keeping is, you know, it's almost like civil disobedience. 
Like when we, when we keep chickens, it's, it's a way to kind of bring back our, what, what belongs to us, you know, the earth and this tradition, this age old tradition, it belongs to us. It doesn't belong to the feed companies. Yeah. You know, it doesn't belong to to the medical world, you know, it it's or food science or any of that. It it's it's ours and it always has been. So I kind of want to pull that that back in and get people to start thinking about it in terms of um you know, what this means, what the, what this has meant through throughout the course of humanity, what it what it has meant to us and how we can pull back pull back in some of that meaning. That's good. That's good. But I mean, the book is, I do, I do talk about that. I do really try and inspire people in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also talk about, you know, the, that separation of food from, from society, from people and from our culture and Mm -hmm. how we all kind of suffer from that same affliction Mm -hmm. where at one point in our family's history, that that separation from our food happened. Yeah. Um, and so I talk about my own experience being from, you know, my family being from Guatemala, us being uprooted out of that because, you know, you have, you, you got to read the book, but <laughs> talk about the history there and what happened and industrialization and all that and how that, how that affects someone. Like when you, when you remove people from their food, you remove them from their culture and you kind of remove them from who they are. And when someone doesn't know who they are, they can't see the humanity in other people. That's such a big deal when you don't know who you are. Yeah. Big, big deal. Yeah. Identity. I, I talk about identity a lot. Um, what el- what practical things do you teach us in the book or and or on your YouTube channel? I'm really geared towards beginners and intermediate people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you've never had chickens before and you're just starting out, I have a lot of videos that are geared in that direction. I have an online course. It's called um, Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. I love it. Find, yeah. <laughs> you can find that on my website, uh, welcome to chickenlandia.com. And that is, if you have not had chickens, that's a really great place to start because it has, you know, I mean, I will say, um, everything I offer in the course, you can find on my YouTube channel for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's harder cause you have to go through, you know, I mean, I've been making videos for, I think five years almost. So you got to kind of go through and sift through the videos. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Um, so if you, if you take the course, it's going to, uh, be very organized for you. There's like cute PDFs that you can print out to remember things and stuff. And there's quizzes. And, uh, the other thing is you get access to me and to my co-instructor. And that is something that I think is a real, you know, that's, I think that's one of the main reasons why people purchase the course because I get questions every single day. I mean, I get like, I get emails and and a lot of them are like, you know, my chickens 
foot fell off. What do I do? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I haven't had that yet. (laughs) Oh gosh. I really wish I could help. You know, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a veterinarian, you know, um, I'm limited in what I can, you know, what kind of like one-on-one help I can give in, you know, when it comes to like, if your chicken is sick, it's, it's important for me not to try and diagnose them and stuff. So it kind of gets, it gets tough. Um, that being said, I have tons of videos you can go and do, do, do the research and find the information, you know, but in the course, I, will answer people usually within 24 hours, unless it's like a holiday or something. Um, and I, I really have that ability to kind of work more in a, in a more one-on-one way with them. Whereas I just can't, you know, I get so many questions in a day. I can't, there's no way for me to answer all of those. Yeah. Um, and then the book is, you know, the book and the course, there's a lot of the, the book is uh beginner for beginners and intermediate, or if you just want to read, you know, a, some good stuff about chickens. Um, it's very natural leaning. Obviously, I talk about uh homeopathics, I talk about flower essences. Um, I do offer safe herbal uh, <laughs> you know, some ideas for your chickens to keep them healthy. And I really try to um, focus on keeping chicken keeping accessible because that's another big passion of mine that um, this practice that traditionally anyone could do that, you know, it didn't matter um, what their income level was, Mm -hmm. they can keep chickens. And in fact, chickens could be a really good way uh, for people without a lot to still get you know, some really good nutrition, uh, into their families. And it saddens me that the way chicken keeping has kind of gone, at least in our country and in the, in the UK and some other places, um, it, there's this idea that it costs a lot of money to keep chickens. That's exactly what I was just thinking. I was like, wow. Okay. So yeah, because even just, um, my husband has made a comment before about, you know, how much the feed, the chicken feed costs and, um, you know, and then the whatever and all, or if I buy, you know, heads of lettuce at the store, because I'm not growing any right now, you know, or whatever, but whatever food, I mean, he's like, we can buy eggs for cheaper than what we're feeding. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very interested in that, how, how it really, the cost really breaks down. Well, it's funny because my husband used to say every egg was a (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars. It really was golden eggs, you know, and I confess I do spend money on my chickens. Like I'm not against that. Um, My chickens have really high quality feed. Um, And I like buying them treats and stuff like that. But the main thing for me is that people understand that, that you don't have to do that. And if all you can do is, you know, have your chickens in a, in a repurpose, you know, something that you have repurposed into a chicken coop, have them, uh, with access to pasture as much as possible. Um, give them your kitchen scraps, 
You can grow some sprouts for them. If you're going to do feed, you know, get the highest quality feed that you can afford and you can ferment that feed and that will make it go further and Mm -hmm. also uh, be better for them. I did not know that. Yes. You teach us how to do this on YouTube or in your book. I do. They're actually my, my most watched video is about fermenting feed. Awesome. And in that video, I ferment, um, mash feed, which is a raw, it's a raw feed. It's not processed. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like whole grains and then it has some fines in it that have, um, you know, that are really high, uh, nutritional, nutritional value. Um, and those are really the feeds that ferment the best would be the raw mash. Mm -hmm. Um, those are typically the most expensive feeds, Mm -hmm. but you can ferment pelleted feed. You just have to find one that ferments well, because some of the pelleted feeds, they don't, I mean, you will know very quickly. This one doesn't ferment very well. (laughs) This is something not right here. Um, so I say, you know, if it smells like alcohol, if it smells, you know, rancid, please don't use it. Um, but it's so easy. It's just, it's just a matter of like adding water and stirring it a couple of times a day and, and waiting for it to get bubbly. And, you know, usually takes about two or three days and it, it, it expands, um, not only because it's absorbing water, but well, I mean, it expands because it's absorbing water, but through the process of fermentation, um, the nutrients that is already existing in that feed will become more bioavailable to your chickens. So they're getting more like with every bite that they take, they're getting more nutrition. It's more easily digestible for them. Um, and so I, you know, I think some people are like, well, all you did was add water and it expanded. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not the only thing that happened. You know, mm-hmm. it also fermented. So it became more nutritionally dense. Mm-hmm. So with that expansion, that's why it will it will last longer, not just because I added water to it and made it bigger, but because I made the nutrition that was already in it more available to your chickens. I love it. I'm going to go watch that. Yeah. So, okay. So we've got your YouTube channel, your website. Can't wait for your book. Um, I guess you'll be putting that on your website and we could sign up for email. Do you do email? Yes, I have uh chickenlandia nation is my email. Uh, you know, all the people that are on my mailing list. And I say, you know, I honestly, I don't send out that many emails because I, I don't like that. You know, I don't like, um, I don't like getting a lot of emails. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't send them out a lot, but you, when you sign up, you do get a discount for my course. Nice. Um, and then you definitely be like, I will definitely be notifying people as soon as, uh, the pre-order starts, I will be notifying people. And, um, so it's just a good way to kind of stay connected. Um, so I, d- I like to have, I don't want to have my, the access to my fans only through YouTube or social media. I want like direct, direct access to them too. Um, 
so I just, I feel better when they're on my mailing list and I send out quizzes and stuff every once in a while. And you'll get a coupon when you, you know, on your birthday for my merch, I have Chickenlandia That's merch. Fun. That's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and I um, do, I also have a podcast. That's, I, I do have a podcast. It's called Bach Talk and it's a B-A-W-K-T-A-W-K. I love it. I'm going to link all of this in the show notes. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and just talking with about this with me. I, I really enjoyed this. I do too. I, I'm so glad that um, people like you are out there and um, I, I feel less alone, you know, giving homeopathics to my chickens. I know that there's, I know there's other people that do it and um, that makes me feel good. I'm glad, I'm glad you're out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will, this will be, um, come out, you know, in a couple of weeks, several weeks. Okay. And I'll send you the link to it when I get it. And um, just thank you so much for being here and talking and reaching out. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Okay, great. Thank you. Have thank a great you so day. much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.